This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. So this is Romans 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man or woman I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my old sinful flesh a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what God's law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the old sinful flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the old sinful flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who walk by the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the old sinful flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the old sinful flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the old sinful flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the old sinful flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit of life is is because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it is not to the old sinful flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the old sinful flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Amen. Thanks, Denise. Good to see you, folks. Um, We're pressing on through Romans, and uh, we're trying to read it all out. So that's why the readings are are long. I don't know if you are interested in mountain climbing or... 
uh, uh, rock climbing or whatever, but there's uh, a place on Mount Everest uh, which is called Hillary's Step. And um, Hillary's Step is basically this kind of 12-metre, 40-foot um, sheer uh, rock face. Now, at the moment, uh, it looks quite easy to get up there because there's all ropes. But actually, up until the 1950s, the mid-1950s, when Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay climbed Mount Everest, this obstacle had always defeated them. They'd always, people had got below this but had never made Hillary's step. And basically, Hillary climbed this step by leaning against a snow cornice like this guy's doing here and, uh, and edging his way up. And it feels a bit like that when we um, do uh, work through Romans. You get to Romans 7, which is a bit like uh, Hillary's step. It's this kind of massive uh, obstacle of how are you going to get through this? How are you going to get over this to the good stuff? How are you going to make the summit? Because what we've done, uh, what we've looked at in Romans 7 is or, uh, a person... Uh, I think it's typical of anybody who tries to, in their own efforts to try and please God, struggling with sin. This person who's saying in their, uh, in their heart, oh, well, I want to do good, but I can't do it. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I, I don't want to do, I'm doing all the time. And this person who's kind of describing this conflict of the flesh. And I think that uh, to understand the, the kind of pleasure of making for the summit, I think sometimes we just need to understand Hillary's step again. We need to understand a little of Romans 7. So I'm going to draw back to pick up some verses that we had from uh, last week if you were here. If you weren't here, then please uh, uh, join the five or six people who listen to it online and you can listen to it. But let's just pull back and look at, at Romans 7. We're, as it were, imagine us standing below Hillary's step and looking up. And Paul says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at working me, me, waging against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. And you think, Paul, what are you talking about? There's laws scattered all over here. There's this law, there's God's law, there's another law, there's a law of my mind, there's a law of sin. You think, what are you doing? I think Paul's Trying to be clever, it makes it confusing for me. I mean, some people think Paul is an amazing writer and so profound, and some people think, actually, he's a bit confusing. I'm not quite sure sometimes, but you think, well, what are you talking about here, Paul? And so I think there's quite a, he's sort of using a bit of a wordplay, a few puns around the word law. I've summarized it like this, like a little equation. In here, we've got God's law, God's good law which is uh, he delights in the uh, people, God's uh, people, people who know God's law, God, the Jews and Christians, they delight in God's law, and that's good. But we've also got this other law at work in us, uh, and, uh, at work in our flesh, in work in our humanity, which Paul calls the law of sin. And that equals uh, what we're going to find out is called the law of sin and death. Let me explain that. So basically, God's law is good. I said last week, you know, don't eat the chocolate. Well, okay, that might not be a good law, but do this, do that. Whatever the Bible says in terms of commands, they're good, they're not bad. But what seems to happen is, it seems that when we hear those commands, instead of that producing good things in us, it produces bad things in us. Instead of it producing obedience, it produces disobedience, it produces bad attitudes in us. And it's almost like there's a, there's a weakness in the equation, And the weakness in the equation is not God's law. The weakness in the equation is us. 
We're the weakness. We can't keep God's law. And that's the kind of weakness in this. In fact, Paul says earlier, we did it last week, the very command that was intended to bring life actually brought death. This command of love God with all your heart, don't covet, Paul says, all these commands that were supposed to be good, when they work in the human heart, they actually produce sinfulness in us. And actually, they produce death. So the weakness is not the law. Paul says, is the law bad then? No, the law's good. The weakness, the problem's us. We're the problem. It's the problem of the human heart. And what happens is that sin comes in and whispers in our ear about how, to, uh, how you should do this and you should do this, and we fall for it and we sin. And that's what Paul uh, is going to call later on the law of sin and death. So God's good law, working in a human heart that can't keep it. However much we try, this struggle that, that Paul describes in Romans 7, I want to do good, but I can't do it. This struggle that we seem to all have, this working in us, actually produces sin and death. We need to understand that when Paul talks about the flesh, he's not just talking about our physical bodies. The, the, the people at the time had this idea that physical stuff, the flesh was bad and spiritual things were good. He's not saying that because actually Jewish writers, he's a Jew, thought actually the whole of us, Flesh, body, everything, and we're one package. We're not divided up. So when he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about humanity embodied in physical form. So in one sense, you're not your body, but your body is you. You, 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 it's the way that you're embodied. It's the kind of the vessel that you're in. So human, so humanity is by definition, we've got flesh. But we're more than flesh. And what he's saying is when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about human flesh, our kind of natural tendency to do what's wrong. Our kind of natural tendency to do like Adam, the first human, to do what's wrong. Uh, when he, him, Adam and Eve were first tempted, they said, oh, we don't believe God's good and we'll reach out and take the fruit and we'll be God ourselves. Uh, and that tendency within us is, is in us all the time, that natural bias towards sin. And where, so when Paul talks about our flesh, that's what he's talking about. Actually, go back a slide, that might help us now. So God's good law... The law of sin comes and works in our flesh. It works in our humanity, in our propensity to do wrong. And instead of producing life, it produces death. So we get this conclusion at the end of Romans 7. Who can rescue me from this body? The whole sense of our bodies where we sin. Who can rescue me from this body of sin? And then there's this moment of triumph. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ our Lord. It's almost like that Paul's reiterating what he's been saying all the way through. He's reiterating all the way through that actually you're dead to sin and alive to Christ. Now, we might not feel that. We're not ex- we might not feel that that's our experience, but Paul is, keeps hammering the same old nail. No, you've died to sin. You've died to, uh, uh, you've died to uh, the slavery of sin. You've died to sin's mastery. He says it best in Romans 6, uh, verse uh, 6. He says, for we know our old self. That's a... Similar sort of idea to the flesh. Our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body, the flesh, ruled by sin, might be done away with. That we no longer be under the power of sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So there's this idea that we've got this sin, that's this body that's kind of still alive, but actually it's died. And it feels like a crazy mixed up place. And I think that's, when you read Romans 7, you think, I don't know what you're talking about. And you might even listen to me for five minutes and think, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 
But Paul says, no, 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 that's not where we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live looking up at this huge obstacle, this Hillary step of, I can't get over this. How do I cope with it? How do I live the Christian life and get to the summit? No, Paul wants to take us over and onto the summit. He wants to take us onto the high ground. And some people say Romans 8 is the high ground of this letter. So Paul says this, he says, Therefore, because of all this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Say that to the person next to you. Read that verse and say it to the person next to you. Therefore. I mean, it's an amazing verse. What he's saying is, Paul is saying, there's no sense of you ever, God saying you're not good enough. You think, well, how can that be Romans 7? The guy's just said, I'm sinning, I can't do what's right. And how can that end up there? No condemnation. No, God never pointing the finger at you. God never saying he's dissatisfied with you. God's never saying, I don't love you anymore. God never saying you're not accepted. God saying you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. No, he's not saying that. He's saying no condemnation. I worked in a, a Catholic school and this is not a dig at Catholics, but when you talk to the other kids, basically all they said, they felt, well, being a Catholic was all about being guilty. That was their overriding emotion. Uh, being a Catholic just made you feel guilty. And some people uh, uh, would say, why on earth would you want to go to church? Because all that does is make you feel guilty. And this overriding emotion of feeling guilty, feeling useless. But Paul is saying categorically, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, It doesn't mean that when you've had a good week and you've read your Bible and you've helped old ladies across the road. I don't know why we say that as a good thing. It's not in the Bible. But anyway, but when you've done good things that seem like good things, when you've done those things, if you had a good week, then you live in this place called no condemnation. But if you've had a bad week, if you've messed up, if you went out to a club and you did stupid things and you did all things, then you actually don't live in condemnation. It's almost as if you're, you're, you're living in condemnation And then you're not living in condemnation. You're thinking, oh, I did really well this week. I'm really holy. I love the worship. God, I'm feeling great. And then the next week, oh, I'm distracted. I had a bad week. I rowed with my wife. As if you're living in and out of condemnation. No, Paul is saying categorically, condemnation does not exist for you. Which feels like a crazy thing because of what he's just said. He's just said, we're struggling with sin, but condemnation doesn't exist for you. It's almost as if like saying, uh, where light is, there's no darkness at all. In fact, John says that at the start of his letter. He says, in him there's light, and in him there's no darkness. He is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Darkness cannot exist where light is. And, And Paul is saying, there's no condemnation where? In which place is there no condemnation? The clue is in the verse. Shout it out for me. In Christ Jesus. A place called Christ Jesus. When you're in that place, there's no condemnation. So it feels like, well, what's going on here? Paul, it'd be very helpful if you'd kind of explain what's gone on. Because you've just said, people struggle with sin, struggle with sin. And then the next minute you're saying there's no condemnation. What is it? Please help me. And he does help us because there's a nice because. Or because. In that sentence. He says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because. Through Christ Jesus, the law. Oh, there's another law. Paul, you give us a break. The law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We've got another law going on here. Paul, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Let me try and explain. 
Imagine this is your life. It happens to be Corona Extra, which we enjoyed this weekend. Uh, um, I'll have another one here. Just this. Imagine this is your life, and um, it's, it's under a law. Yeah, do you get that? It's under a law. Can anyone explain what the law is? It's very easy. It's under the law of gravity. Okay, so actually, where the weight... You might need to stand back here. Oh, this, I might need to go a long way away. I'm going to try and do this. I don't need to hurt anyone. Stand well back, everybody. Okay, so... You, seriously, I'm... Um, Kangs, I'm serious. It, it might be nasty. Okay. So here, here's the law of gravity. <laughs> Come on, David, that's good, yes. Here's the law of gravity. And... Um, and, and actually, the, 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 the dropping of the bottle doesn't really have, a, doesn't have the impact. It's almost like sin. Sin puts the bottle into free fall, yeah? But what happens at the end of sin is... Death. And what Paul is saying is, you're under this law called the law of sin and death. You're in, in one sense, you're free-falling, you're free-falling. You can sit back down now. You're free-falling. That you've, you've, you've chosen sin. And what happens is you're like one falling off a building. Free-falling. And eventually you're going to hit the ground of God's judgment and smash. The law of sin and death. I've used an apple because, uh, by all accounts, uh, Isaac Newton, who not invented discovered uh, the law or of gravity in that sense, uh, wrote an equation of it. I know later on, uh, if you're cleverer, it's not quite right, but, but let's go with it. He, he basically saw this apple falling out of the tree, right? And it fell out of the tree. I don't know why it's always apples, Adam and Eve, apples, we think it's apples, or it says fruit. So they've got this law of sin and death at work in us. Let's go back a slide and let's see what's happening. Go back, back a slide. So, through Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death, that's the one that you're living under, that's the world you're living under, the law of sin and death. But you've been set free from it by another law. Thankfully we have another person here. Still under the law of sin and death, yeah? You with me? Still under the law of sin and death. But actually I'm going to put another law at work in it. Can anyone tell me what that law at work is? It's not a muscle. It's not friction. It's Newton's third law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. There's another law at work on the bottle. It's still under the law of sin and death, but no, there's another law at work on the bottle. So the bottle does not fall. It's no longer under sin and death. It's under a new law. What's that new law called? The spirit of life. Now that was helpful, wasn't it? I think Paul's saying, look, I'm playing all these jokes about law because I want you to get the idea that you're under a law. You're under a law, you might not feel I'm under God's law. You think I'm under this law of sinning all the time. No, 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 you're under this law of sin and death that everybody's under. But actually, Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, he's the, he, you're, you're held in his hand. I love the illustration. It's, it's better with an apple, actually. But you're held in his hand. I like that. It's an easy one to understand. You're held in Jesus' hand. In Christ, there is no law of gravity. Don't don't quote me here because it's obviously an illustration. In Christ, there's no sin and death because you're held in his hand. 
You cannot fall. He's held you in his hand. It's a great place. It's a safe place. In this place, there's no condemnation. Outside of that place, there's sin and death and condemnation. But inside that place, only in that one place, are you free from the law of sin and death? Well, how did that happen? How did that happen that you're this pathetically, badly disciplined, organized, this badly bad person who keeps on sinning? How can you be set free so that you can say, I'm absolutely righteous. I'm counted in God's sight as righteous as Jesus. That seems like, how can that be? Surely it's a little mind game. Paul says it like this in the verse that follows. For what God's law was powerless to do, because it's weakened by sinful flesh. Remember that first equation, God's law couldn't make us right because it was powerless, because it's weakened by our flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Where have we seen, does anyone know where we've seen that word likeness before? Right at the beginning of the Bible. Does anyone You've got in the, in the garden, God said, let us make mankind in our own image and likeness. But here's God, Jesus Christ, who's fully God, eternally God forever, actually being made in our likeness. Becomes, takes on flesh, takes on human flesh, becomes embodied in human flesh. But actually... Interestingly, it's only the likeness of human flesh, of sinful flesh, not because he wasn't really a human, but because he wasn't what? Sinful. So here's Christ, Jesus, and I can't do it because it's impossible to do. But he's not subject, I imagine there's nothing holding the bottle. (laughs) He's not subject to the law of sin and death because he has no sin. He's not subject to that. So he's only like us in our flesh, the bottle. But he's not like us, he's subject to the law of sin and death. So Jesus is this one who is like us in every way, says in Hebrews, but, but one. What's the one? Without, like us in every way, but without sin. So what did he do? And it says, so God did this. God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. That word there that's used is saying, look, this is a temple sacrifice. I am letting my son be a temple sacrifice, a sin offering. He's going to lay his son down on the altar and sacrifice him. As it were, he's going to put him on the cross. He's going to allow sinful men and women to put him on the cross and his body to be broken and his blood to be poured out. He was going to place him there. Now the sin offering was always the offering that was offered in the Bible, a a, a, a sacrifice for for unconscious sins. 